Hi, this is David Yaz at the Boston Podcast Network, hoping you are staying safe and healthy during this period of precaution over the coronavirus. It's difficult to connect with your clients and contacts in a period such as this, but here we continue to produce podcasts that allow you to connect with the people that you want to reach. You've got a rapt audience like never before. People are home, they're listening, and they're waiting to hear from you. We can create a professional podcast with a quick turnaround and do the whole thing remotely so you don't have to leave your home. Get in touch with us at pod617.com. From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our city. Yes, sir. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, lovers, muggers, thieves, all the ships at sea, everyone out there, welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like this podcast, if you dig it, we encourage you to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Share it with a friend, neighbor, enemy, any anyone, really. Uh, we appreciate the love, and we appreciate the support. And speaking of support, I have someone who supports companies through and other people through crises, PR whiz. We've gotten to know each other a little bit recently. And welcome to the show, Lauren Banyar-Reich. And let me begin, Lauren, by saying, I think I pronounced Lauren correctly. After that, <laughs> I'm not so sure. How actually do you pronounce your name? It's Banyar-Reich. Uh, I Reich. inherited the Reich. Okay. So, uh, so so, no worries there. My, my son gets very frustrated because even his teachers go through various iterations till they, yeah. till they get it right. Yeah. It, I don't know. There was a quarterback in the NFL named Frank Reich, and I think spelled the same way. A brother-in-law of yours? No. Definitely not. Definitely not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, how's your pandemic going? You look none worse for the wear. You got, you got, well, you got dressed all spiffy today, so thank you for that. <laughs> I know our listeners can't, hear, can't see you, but I can. That's very kind of you. Uh, you know, not a lot of pants happening in our house. Um, you know, <laughs> to be honest, this is a dress, and usually, uh, usually, if they are pants, they've been full of lots of elastic. Sure, uh, stretchy. <laughs> it, they need to adjust. That could be if, you, sure. if 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 you ever if anyone ever writes a memoir about this pandemic, not a lot of pants would be a good title. Just who needs the pants? It's, exactly. Yeah. I mean, early on in the pandemic, I remember there were stories about how someone was tracking clothes sales and people were buying tops in vast numbers as compared to bottoms because they don't matter anymore. Um, yeah, I went, I may never wear pants again. So um, the, the company is LBRPR and you should visit Lauren's website. Very nice photo of you on your webpage. People must tell you all the time you look like Kristen Bell. Do you get that? <laughs> I do, but I yeah. think it's mostly people who haven't met me in person because yeah. Kristen Bell is about five foot nothing and I'm almost six feet tall. So wow. <laughs> it's, it feels, it feels like people think that when they meet me over zoom, but then when they meet me in real life, they go, no, maybe not. <laughs> this is funny. Cause this is probably like the, maybe the third time you and I have been on a call together that, and we've interacted and 
I had no idea you were tall. That's it, it, why would I, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, you you know this is what's so funny about right now. If you are meeting new people and you are engaging um, over Zoom, you know you, you're you're getting a different picture certainly, and all those social cues and those first impression things that usually happen in person um, are are shifted. That's why the background in your Zoom matters so much. That's why you know, especially having jangly jewelry or anything you know that that is distracting on your person is is you know makes an impression and may take away so it's it's definitely tricky to to maintain um that professionalism but also to um you know use the things maybe you were used to using physically in person that you kind of don't have anymore yeah you're right but now it's just this this horrible um notion is dawning on me that some people might think i'm short i'm <laughs> I, i'm not short if anyone was wondering um because i'm almost six three you're almost six feet which is See, uh, i had no yeah. i didn't think you were that tall my impression is that you were you, not that tall i can't even prove it even if i stand up you could say well it's just the way you look at the on the zoom call that's funny yeah um yeah every once in a while on a zoom call you'll see somebody stand up for for the most part it's we're all talking heads and let me ask you a little, just a little bit more about that, because being in the PR business, it is about image and presenting yourself. What, what uh, you mentioned a couple, but have you, have you seen other people who just are clueless when it comes to presenting themselves on Zoom? Well, let me put it this way. Um, my kids uh, who just graduated, I'm using air quotes, yep. uh, kindergarten and third grade for whatever that. Yeah. was this year. Um, you know, th they had these Google Meet hangouts um, with their with their classes and they were and you said it's okay to curse giant. Yes. It's okay. Yes, it <laughs> shit is. shows. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was disaster central. And what amazes me is that especially early on, <laughs> especially early on, I feel like the adults on Zoom and Google were disasters, too. You yeah. know, I think it's it's gotten a little bit better. But I'm always very surprised um, when I meet or interact with really senior level folks who just kind of haven't thought about those things before they get on Zoom. They're either, you know, you're looking up their nose or you're looking down their shirt right. or, you know, they're totally washed out by the light. And, you know, these are things that that are very concrete and, and may be small. But I think, you know, if you are a thought leader or an expert or a C-suite person, like these are things that you still really have to think about. Like, sorry, it matters, but you know, it does. And, and those impressions still kind of count, especially when this is the only way we're, we're really able to interact with people right now. Yeah, this is the new version of live. So think of what you would do live <laughs> people, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't show up with no pants, probably you wouldn't show up the, to a meeting with no pants. But yeah, I was on a networking call. And so there are like two dozen people on it. This is when you weren't on Lauren, but there was a dude who was clearly in his basement who was sitting there, there was a door behind him. The door was open. The door was, was I'm going to go ahead and guess, open to like the garage in his home. And there was stacks of like junk back there. It was gross. And the first thing I'm thinking is, dude, just close the door. Like that would have solved it. But he was poorly lit. It was, he, he looked like schlep rock. He, he looked terrible. So it, it, pay attention to these things, people. Um, I've seen everything from the wor the worst offenders I saw were um, a really, really senior level guy uh, making coffee and kind of walking us around his house while we were on like you, you know, one of these yeah. networking calls, you're trying to make a good impression. Um, he was walking around his, his house making coffee and another guy was scratching his back like 10, <laughs> 15 times with the back scratcher. I was waiting to see the leg kick out. Like, yeah. I think I might have been on that call because I or, you might have been on that or call. maybe this maybe this back scratcher guy is he gets around to other calls because, yeah, I saw a guy take a ruler 
and and put it down the back of his shirt and scratch. Now that's yeah. something you you do at home. It's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, you know, we get itchy back sometimes, but we're all watching you. Do you not understand that we can see you? Um, and then the sound is the other thing. Um, uh, I, I run I run some calls that are some for business, some for fun. I mean, I do one with a bunch of uh, my cousins and extended family and a whole bunch of folks. And my uncle is in California. He's always sitting outside just to show off. And so good for you, Uncle Kenny. But <laughs> he's got like his kids in the background that I'm pretty sure I can hear traffic. And like we, we can't, I have to keep muting him because I, we can't continue on with that business. So tell us. It's tricky. Yeah. Tell us, have you been able to continue your work pretty much unabated during the pandemic? You know, it's interesting. We, um, when I first started my business, I was looking to kind of replicate a, a 2.0 version of a traditional PR agency in a lot of ways. Um, and then I realized that a, the model itself was broken in many ways, which I kind of knew it's, it's this treadmill model. You lose a lot of great, um, talented people because it's a jump how high, uh, kind of thing in many cases. And then on the flip side of that, um, I really thought about it. And when it comes down to it, we were never having people when I worked for other brick and mortar agencies, people weren't coming to our office. We were always going to them. They didn't care where we were. We would beg them sometimes to come to the office, you know, meet with us, come see our team. But nobody cares. Nobody yeah. cares where you are. Nobody cares what you do. So we've been remote um, for some time. I want to give a, a shout out to um, a workspace, though, that I, I used and I'm still now on hold, but, but hoping to be another, you know, an active member again, sometime soon called luminary. Um, it's in New York. It's a fabulous, uh, women focused workspace and community. And that's really the, the crux of it that makes it kind of different from a lot of these other spaces. And so, you know, we would be in the city and, you know, working, um, two to three days a week, doing client care and feeding, you know, being at Luminary, hosting sometimes networking things at Luminary and being with the team at Luminary. But really, the mo for the most part, we've been virtual this whole time, you know, really since uh, since five years ago when I started the company. Um, so from that perspective, from the culture perspective, from the, um, you know, team perspective, you know, we've continued rather seamlessly. I think the trickiest part for, you know, me as a business owner has been, um, and, and an extrovert, mm -hmm. <laughs> in case you can't tell, can tell. Um, yeah. is, is that I get so much energy out of physically seeing people, you know, with this zoom, I think whether you're presenting or just networking or having a one-to-one, -one, you know, it, it, the energy ends at the screen. And yeah. I think that's what's so challenging, um, you know, to, to navigate. Um, and, and so I don't get, get that energy back from people the way that I would in person. There's something lost in, in the vibration or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, so that's been, you know, personally, that's been kind of the biggest change is just not having that, that influx of energy, but business wise, you know, everything that we do as, as PR professionals, as communicators, you know, even since back in the day, when you used to smile and dial, as I joke, um, yeah. you know, and you'd call the press, you know, that was happening, quote unquote, remotely anyway. That press person didn't know if I was sitting in an office in New York City and my boss was paying a bunch of rent or if I was sitting at home in my basement. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I think one of the things that has occurred to me throughout all of this is that a lot of us use this excuse of not being able to meet, especially in the beginning, not being able to meet as like, oh, well, you know, we'll wait till this is over. We'll schedule something when this all blows over. Well, here we are, you know, mm -hmm. months later. But but the truth is, is a lot of us were doing this kind of communication and this kind of relationship building the same way before. We just kind of were, I think, a lot of times holding onto this crutch of the in-person thing. You know, it's, it's, it's been an interesting yep. 
and and I was guilty of of thinking that things were were very different. And then the more I thought about it, and the more I realized that, that we've been communicating this way the whole time. So it was just a funny mind block that I think a lot of people have come up on. Yeah, and and you're right though. The we forget how much business was done. But, you know, we lament, we miss people. And I agree with you. The, the Zoom calls, people have Zoom burnout. There's a lot that's missed on Zoom. It really is not a 100% replacement. We know that. But I'm reminded of the scene in the movie Almost Famous. Have you seen that film? Yes. Yeah, Long so, time ago, but yes. So the kid, the, the our, our hero, the lead character, the young, young rock journalist, he kind of talks his way into getting an assignment for Rolling Stone. And while he's on the phone, you know, procuring this job, his mom picks up the phone because he lives at home because the kid is only 15 right. or he's whatever. A kid. Yeah, he's a kid. And the mom picks up the phone and says, honey, I need you to take out the garbage when you have a second. And the kid freezes as if, oh, my God, I've been exposed. And the Rolling Stone guy on the other end goes, oh, I hate it when my old lady makes me take out the trash, too. Don't worry, you know, buddy. He thinks that's his wife. So and he manages to make it through the whole course of the movie until the end when they find out he's just a kid. But. So the yeah, and he was he had no problem with that whole thing. Let me ask you something about your team. First of all, you, you so you're you do have an office in New York City, yes, still. Yes. Okay, but you haven't, um, haven't been there in a while. We're paused. We haven't okay, been yeah. there in a while. Yeah, I'm yeah. only in my studio today because I there's I've just fallen too much victim to the temptations of home TV fridge, you know. So I get it. Um, I get it. so I'm here alone in our studio in Westwood, Mass, but. I'm looking at your website. I noticed you have a team. How many people work for you? About half a dozen or so? Yeah, we have about five or six um, folks that work for us. Um, you know, we, we interestingly, our model um, is, is that we have long-term freelancers. Um, and because we work with our clients um, on a minimum of six months. So we always, you know, it takes a sec to get under the hood. It takes a minute for us to really get to know our clients. Yeah. Um, and so we, we work with them for a minimum of six months to start. Um, and I'm proud to say that, you know, many, many, many of them stay with us for years and years, because once we get under the hood, we're able to, I think, see things that they don't see. We're able to um, slice and dice their expertise, their stories, the things they have to offer um, in a way that is very hard when you're, you know, a business owner and when you're kind of in the weeds or you're, you know, a senior level uh, person at a company, you're, you're, you're doing the doing in many cases. So it's hard to get under there. Um, but what, what we do then is that allows me to have a team, um, and most of my, and I'm going to call them lovingly, my girls, my, my team, uh, have been with me for many years. So it's, again, it's that, that model, I think before, before, uh, you know, the, of agencies in a lot of ways that were, was kind of broken. And, and with, with the model that we have, it feels the same way, I think, to our clients, um, in terms of the work they receive and the attention they get from us, um, but I think, you know, what's nice about it is I get to, to snap people up who have kind of, you know, decided they don't want to live the life of the agency girl or the agency person. Yep. Um, and they come work for me and I'm, I'm a great boss and, and they come <laughs> and they stay. And so it's, you know, I, it's, I'm, I'm proud of that. Yeah. I, that uh, phenomenon happens in Boston. The, the big, the big man on campus for years was George Regan, Regan communications. And, but there are, there's a whole tree of other people who have left Regan and started their own shop. And my friend, Marlo Fogelman among them, I'll give her a shout out because she was with Regan for a while. And now she has a, a pretty big team herself. Um, your team is, is all female. Is that by design? It's not, there's just a lot of women in PR. Okay. Um, you know, it's, it's, 
it's uh, there's a lot of women in PR. And I think, you know, I, I like to personally kind of walk the walk. I'm, you know, very proud of being kind of a working mom and somebody who um, believes in that integration of kind of bringing your whole self to work. And it was funny, you said earlier that, you know, the kids come into view and stuff like that. Yeah. One of the benefits in a weird way of the pandemic is that we're kind of forced to bring our whole selves uh, to, to what we're doing professionally because we're sitting at home. And, you know, I think a lot of that for the good and the bad and the ugly has, has, has made people um, just a little more human. Um, and I think we, we all are giving each other maybe a little more grace uh, as a result. So, you know, I think that's kind of interesting, but, but yes, they are all women. And again, to that, to the point of the agency model, you know, it's very hard to, um, you know, have a, a job at a big agency in Boston and New York and, you know, whatever city you're living in and, um, and have a life too. And, and I believe very strongly in one of our kind of core values is, is, um, is all about, you know, we, we want to win for our clients and we want to win for ourselves. And I think that, you know, it's important to be able to, um, to not have work be all of it, but to have work be a, a, a fun and engaging and energetic part of it. And I really stink at faking it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those terrible PR people that like can't take any job. I'm like, well, I don't know if we're really a fit, you know, yeah. like I can't just, just kind of manifest it. And so, you know, again, being the person that gets to decide the kind of clients and, and projects we take on, um, you know, there's kind of a, again, get ready for the buzzer. Uh, there's a no asshole policy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we want to, <laughs> we want to work with people who, um, who, you know, also bring their whole selves to the table and, and who are authentic and transparent. And, you know, we want to shine a light on their core genius. And, and that's kind of our core genius is really creating that visibility and, and building that credibility for them. The key to the no asshole policy is to actually follow it because, <laughs> I, I like I like it. The first time I heard it, I'm like, that's good because just about every job I've had, had uh, if it's been great on paper, it sometimes has been not so great in real life because your boss or your colleague is an asshole, and it's it just you know you grow old really quickly when you work with someone like that. Uh, let me ask you about now. Let me ask you this: Have you heard about the celebrity Nick Cannon and his the remarks he made on a podcast? Because this is this is a PR moment. It's okay if you haven't. No, I okay. haven't. All right. Well, let's go to the tape then. So Nick Cannon, who is <laughs> he's he's um he's host he's like a TV personality. He's the yep. host. He's the host of the Masked Singer. He's the host of America's Got Talent. I think one of those. Uh, I don't know. One of those shows where you don't really need a host, but he's there anyways, making little comments. Anyway. And he's married to Mariah Carey, right? Is he? I can't believe they, I didn't know are they that. Still married? Oh, that, that, uh, that's like the first thing I knew about. Oh wow! Uh, well, let's uh, the research staff at the Boston podcast is, is on that, and in fact, okay. he was married to Mariah Carey, divorced in 2016. Okay. That's what it was. Okay. All right. Well, you you get points for that. Um, so let, I'm going to play a little bit of this rant. Um, I don't know how long right. I'll play it, but what the heck? Did the whole if we, I wrote, play the whole clip, it's only 90 seconds. But this is what he said on a podcast. Melanin comes with compassion. Melanin comes with soul that mm -hmm. we call it. We call it soul. We soul brothers and sisters. That's the melanin that connects us. Right. So the people that don't have it have are are a little. And I'm, I'm going to say this carefully. <laughs> are a little less. And 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 where the term actually comes from, because I'm bringing it all the way back around okay. to, to Minister Farrakhan, to where they may not have the compassion or the the when they were 
sent to the mountains of Caucasus when they when they didn't have the power of the sun that was that the sun then started to deteriorate mm-hmm. them. So then they're acting out of fear. They're acting out of low self-esteem. They're acting out of. A, a so maybe that's enough. You've seen this undoubtedly it comes up with your clients. Sometimes people put their foot in their mouth. Sometimes it's on Twitter. Sometimes it's on a podcast or something like that. And do you, do you always advise them to do the, the straight out apology? Is that always the best course? In this case, it looks like it was good enough to save him one job, but not the other. So I know you, you, you're not up on this Nick Cannon thing and uh, lucky for you, he's not your client, but tell me what you think about that whole dynamic. Huh, a couple things come to mind. Number one, uh, Brene Brown has a fabulous podcast out and she just had an expert on who literally wrote the book about apologizing, apologizing, excuse mm-hmm. me. Um, and, uh, it's a really interesting listen and, um, it's about authenticity. It's about how to say it and mean it and shut up and stop talking. Yeah. Uh, which I think is, is a, is a good rule of thumb. Uh, I think that, you know, look, it's, it's, there's a lot of trickiness right now. And I think that's a a way to describe it. There's a lot of trickiness right now around, um, you know, making comments, saying too much, being tone deaf in those comments, not thinking before you speak. Um, and there's a lot of pressure and look, you know, celebrities and sports stars and a lot of these folks are put out there as role models. Kind of my opinion has always been more important than ever that if you are going to get up to it's a real authentic apology. Um, cancel culture is again, tricky right now. Um, I think a lot of good comes out of it when people get on the carpet, but the bottom line is you got to be careful what you say and you have to be not just careful because you don't want to sound like a racist or a misogynist or, you know, all of these things that yeah. you might be not that way. I don't mean be careful that way. I mean, be careful and thoughtful in, um, listening first and, and, you know, and, and thinking about what's coming out of your mouth. So, you know, we, we really focus a lot on proactive outreach for our clients. So, so crisis management, I know you had a, a, a podcast with, um, Amy Rottenberg, a couple of, um, yeah episodes ago and she's fantastic and she's really a crisis person mm-hmm. you know when i work with folks it's really about crafting that message before you go out so i'm i'm a i'm a like whatever the boy scout motto is be prepared right yeah. like i think be prepared um be thoughtful about what you're going to do uh and speak about before you get on the phone or the podcast and and you know that goes across the board i mean i think whether you are being broadcast or whether you're in your own life right now there's a lot of um, change afoot and a lot of different thoughts and opinions about things that are happening out there. And and I think, you know, look, you and I are both two white people sitting here as well. And so, so we need to sit back and listen. And, you know, as my husband says, you know, well, I'm not going to bring him into this, but, <laughs> but the bottom line is it's, you know, it's tricky. And, and I think everybody needs to be really thoughtful, especially when you're given a platform like Nick Cannon is, has been given and, and there's going to be repercussions. Yep. That's, that's the bottom line. You yep. know, if you're not, there's going to be repercussions. Yeah. And by the way, thanks for exposing me to my audience. No one knew I was white until just now. Damn <laughs> oh, <sorry>. it. <laughs> no, you're, you're, no, you're right. And, and like, it is a delicate time. And, you know, I was, I was bantering with someone on social media. There was that case where the, the person now known as the, was she the central park, Karen or the something park, Karen, the, yep. Yep. the, the, the person who, you know, Boy, I'm glad my name isn't Karen. Oh, I know. I know a couple of <laughs> Karens who are bumming out. But so hey. pe- people, you, you've heard of this one. The, the, she was she called the cops on an African-American man who she felt threatened. 
The dude was totally innocent. She became known for this terrible rant. The guy actually said, I'm not going to press charges. You know, the woman's been fired from her job. The woman is now vilified. In fact, everybody named Karen now is vilified, even though I guess this woman, this woman's name wasn't Karen. But um, so and, you know, he took the high road, which I thought was noble. Um, there was a guy who a friend of mine happens to be black. And he said, thank you for the sentiment, sir. But we need to prosecute this person to whatever the full extent, whatever she deserves. And I said, just to mix it up and be a smart ass, I said, hey, I'm just a white guy chiming in on your board, my friend. But I think what he did was put even more moral distance between him and this horrible person who called him out. And I think maybe even more powerful than if he said, throw the book at her. And then like six or seven people came back at me and said, it just got a seemingly reminding me that I was white, which was which was fine. And but I, but I genuinely tried to listen. You know, a lot of there are horrible uh, racist people in the world, but there are also, you know, ho- hopefully, you know, fair minded, reasonable people, white people like you and me. And we might inadvertently, you know, say something that um, is, um, you know, off just off the mark. Do you find it even more difficult in these last few years counseling your clients on walking these lines? Again, I I feel fortunate um, in that, you know, I tend to work with people who are um, and, and, and by, you know, not, not that this just happens by accident. You know, we really seek out working with experts, really working with people who, um, you know, are, are, if not known at the level they want to be known in their industry, but, you know, experienced enough to be able to speak from a place of, not just authenticity, but expertise. And so with our clients, we always um, really encourage them to stay in their lanes, right? (laughs) You know, and so I think when you're coming from a place of authenticity, when you're coming from a place of saying, in my experience, and there's a lot of these, um, we call them bridging uh, uh, techniques, right? And so you'll hear... um, And right now, let me me back up two steps. Right now, communications is very... um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to really step on it and in it yeah. uh, right now. And and so, you know, back to certain brands really that are looked to to be, um, you know, to, to walk the walk if they've been talking the talk on, you know, certain issues or things like that. You know, those, those are the people that are really in a place where they have to come out proactively and speak to some of these important issues that are happening right now. In other cases, you know, we have clients, look, um, as it relates to, to COVID, which is, you know, not, not the racial unrest right now, but, but, you know, even a COVID thing, like, you know, we have clients where, where our advice to them right now was simply to, to step back. You know, they, they're not connected to it in any way that feels appropriate for us to go out to the news. They're not connected it, to it in any way that feels like they need to overtly message around it. Um, and so, and so we've worked with other internal communications, shoring up their social media, their website, you know, writing different content for different outlets, um, doing things that were kind of foundational for them. On the flip side, we found certain appropriate ways for our clients to kind of enter into the conversation. And again, this is a COVID example. Um, but you know, we have a client who's a podiatrist in New York city and, and you know, what the heck's he going to talk about as it relates to COVID? Well, it turns out he can talk about how you, um, how you, uh, uh, see a regular doctor, like, right. So his, mm-hmm. his company's called Gotham foot care and he's seeing patients, he's giving foot exams he's helping people with plantar fasciitis and warts and things like that, um, you know, over telemedicine. And so we were able to find an appropriate way for him to come in, talk about why it's important to continue seeing a regular doctor, talk about why it's important to, um, and what it looks like to, to go through that examination, you know, what you can expect. So again, it's, you know, it's not necessarily related to the to the racial piece, but with COVID, you know, there's been some inappropriate communication as well. I get an email oh, sure. from Ann Taylor Loft 
all about what they're doing for COVID. I'm like, I don't care about you. Yeah. You know, like, why are you messaging to me? And like, you know, that I'm sounds, sure my, that my pants like, will get here that I'm not going to wear, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that sounds like, wonderful to know. And that sounds like so much pandering, right? I mean, that, that that's, right, I mean, right. and imagine that is your challenge now is to yeah. both with COVID and Black Lives Matter is to have your clients get on in front, but only where it makes sense. Because yeah, I, I've seen a lot of gestures that have rung hollow to me. And the Ann Taylor is yeah. a, a good example. Yeah. Well, and giving lip service to this kind of stuff when you, or, you know, saying you believe in something, but not putting your money where your mouth is like, you know, Ben and Jerry's came out really hard um, and, and, you know, positively supporting black lives matter, black lives matter. But they also in their, in their, you know, tweets about it. And in their posts about it said, um, you know, this is an organization we've been supporting for years. So this is not us going, Ooh, look at us. We're so, we're right. so civic minded. I mean, Ben and Jerry's for a long time has been behind certain causes that are very important to them. And they've been making donations and they've been very vocal about it. I think where you run into a real problem as an individual or as a brand is when you start shouting about stuff, when like maybe your track record there is really not something that you want to shine a light on. Mm-hmm. So instead of in that case, being vocal about it and visible about it, maybe you need to start really doing something so that later on you can say, look, now we have this track record. Now we can look at this, you know, this, these donations or, um, the way that we've changed our company values, um, you know, and things like that. But I think you really run it. And then last year, I know for the first time, you know, during pride month, a lot of companies got, um, got flack because it turned out that, you know, they were wrapping rainbow flags around everything, but then they had supported a super PAC that was anti LGBT supporting, you know, politicians that were anti LGBTQ. So it's like, you know, you, again, everything right now is, excuse me, so transparent that, you know, you really got to be doing something to, to be speaking about it. And, and again, that's one of our core values as a company. We really believe in authenticity, not just for us and the way that we do our work, but, but in the kind of clients that we take on. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Ben and Jerry's that it's, it wasn't surprising to see them step up. Um, uh, let's face it, they're hippies. And so they, for years, <laughs> they've been all about the cause or, or the, you know, the, you know, peace and love. And, and I don't mean to sound sarcastic. I'm not. And by the way, love your ice cream, Ben and Jerry's. Uh, it's just a, it's a little, oh. sli- it's a little slice of heaven. Do you, do you enjoy it? Do you have a favorite flavor? You know, I, whatever the one is with the peanut butter cups in it. Cause that's like, <laughs> that's forget it. I mean, I get lost with peanut butter cups. Anything. Yeah. 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 That's my jam. Uh, <laughs> It's, I love it. Black Lives Matters to ice cream. You, you're such a wide-ranging, hey, versatile host, David. I love it. <laughs> ice cream matters too, Lauren. It does. It does. I'm printing the t-shirts. <laughs> Delete uh, that. I'm not doing it. <laughs> a couple of years ago. I want no part of that. They did, all right, fine. You wash your hands of it. They came out a few years ago with two two ice cream flavors, both based on late-night talk show. It's Jimmy Fallon's something, something, and then Stephen Colbert's Americone Dream. And um, they're both very good. Anyway, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Jerry, wherever you are. So we're up against the clock a little bit, and clearly the show has skidded, sure. off, skidded off the rails uh, as usual. <laughs> um, we are going to play in a, a quick edition of Good Stuff, or both Lauren and I will recommend something that you uh, should or maybe could or will make your life a little bit better during the pandemic. Before we get there, uh, I do want to remind you what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network, pod617.com. Would you like your own podcast? Well, now's the perfect time to do it. We'll send you out a quality USB 
microphones. You can start your own show. We'll produce your show from start to finish. Go to pod617.com to get started. We also have uh, a new feature at pod617.com. It's called Zoomapalooza. That's right. It's a live event featuring trivia and games and mind twisters and mind benders and whatever they call those. And lots of fun stuff. So it's an hour. It uh, costs uh, just 15 bucks for you to play. Go to pod617.com to find out the timing and a portion of the proceeds go to COVID relief, Zoomapalooza, all at pod617.com. In pod, we trust. All right, let's play good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. I knew Lauren would be dancing at least a little bit during the good stuff intro. If people don't, I call them out. Some people think they're too cool for school. So, Lauren, do you have something for our listeners, something you can recommend that maybe has brightened your days? So, I'm going to go high-low on this. Can I do that? Uh, is, that uh, hey, is that acceptable? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I learned my grandmother uh, was, was quite a fashionista, and in her later years, she used to wear her vintage poochy tops with her, like, Target, like, cropped, you know, cropped uh, uh, capris. Mm-hmm. So, she was the queen of high-low. So, I'm going to give her, her a shout-out. Oh, but, okay. Um, so I wrote down two things. Uh, sorry, I'm, I have to be prepared. Like I said, it's my it's my thing. <laughs> on brand, um, but on, I, literally on yes, brand. On yes. brand. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say my uh, my highbrow uh, recommendation. I actually have picked up and I tried reading this book a long time ago, and it just was not resonating with me. Um, but Eckhart Tolle. Uh, his, I think it's called the power of now, okay. uh, has just been, it's, it's all about being present. It's all about kind of getting out of our own way, uh, our, our mind and our ego and how that kind of messes up our higher self. Um, when we focus on that too much, um, it's, it's a slow read cause I like to read it and then digest for a little while and then kind of go back to it and read it again. But it's been, it's been good and centering and, um, you know, it, it, I consider it a win if I can just pause and be present in the moment. Cause it's just, it, it's a hard thing to do when we've all got so much on our minds these days. So cool. that's been, that's been helpful. Yeah, and then my that, low brow. So, hold on, stick with the highbrow <laughs> okay, for a okay. minute. Um, I'm going to go lowbrow, so listeners, I'm going for a TV show. That's your that's your teaser. But yes, Me that too. that book. Okay, good. The book is available. Uh, it is available on Amazon, of course. The Power of Now: A Guide to Spiritual Enlightenment, Eckhart Tolle, and you can pick it up uh, paperback for about nine bucks, or on Kindle f- also for about nine bucks. Okay, let's go lowbrow. Go ahead. So my lowbrow is something that my entire family um, loves. Some of the jokes fly over. Uh, the the head of my six year old, but um, we have been binge watching the Goldbergs. Mm. There are something like 164 episodes, and we have two left. And I don't know what we're gonna do after. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's so much fun about it is that it's all based in the 80s when my husband and I were growing up. And so we stop and we're like, Oh my god, you don't even know what Alf is. He eats cats, and we have to like explain these things. Like, well, we don't have to, but we take it upon ourselves to explain these things to multiple eye rolls and mom unpause it we get it you know (laughs) kind of response uh for the goldbergs has been it's been a shining light for us so we'll we'll have to find something maybe you have a suggestion for something to binge next uh oh i do unfortunately i've binged them all i'm I'm, i think i'm about three slides away from the the netflix end screen uh so but the goldbergs is um you know what? I might take up the Goldbergs myself. My son watches it. He watches it with his mom. They think it's hilarious. Uh, it, of course, stars Jeff uh, Jeff Garland, who most people know as the as Larry David's agent on Curb Your Enthusiasm, yeah. and then an actress named Wendy McCovey, I think, who um, you, you see her in Please a lot of Please watch it for her. 
please watch it for the sweaters. I mean, her sweaters, <laughs> I, I, I covet these. I remember my mother wearing these sweaters. I mm. mean, the fashion is, it's on point. Before I get to my recommendation, I, I've the one the show that I started binging recently um, as a kind of just go back and start thing uh, is The Walking Dead, which I never thought I would be into. Mm. And I'm not a horror movie guy. I just heard it was good. You know, I've done Breaking Bad like three times. Uh, I've watched. You know what you would like actually because PR and stuff. Have you watched Veep? Yes. Yes. Oh right. my God, Veep with Julia Louis Dreyfus. Yeah. yeah, that one I've probably watched a couple times because it's just brilliant. But but. If um if you're so bold, you should try The Walking Dead because it's, you think it's about killing zombies and it is about killing zombies. But it's really it's 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 a great just sort of drama thriller character study disguised as in the zombie apocalypse. So, um, but you know what? I might go back and watch a Goldberg. I don't know why I don't go watch a Goldberg. It's right up my alley, and they do they do sort of tributes to like they'll do a tribute to like Ferris Bueller or something uh, like right and things like that. Breakfast Club, okay. Star Wars. I mean everything. Right up my alley, right up my alley. Uh, what I was going to mention was there's a, a series that just wrapped up, I think, two nights ago, and it's uh, the Dirty John, the Betty Broderick story. Have you been watching or no? I have not. I've seen the previews. It looks intriguing. It's Bravo, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know my Bravo from my whatever right now. I, 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 you know what? I think did I have to buy this on Amazon Prime? I might have had to buy it on Amazon Prime. So Dirty John was a podcast and then a TV series about a particular woman and this creep who was not what he said he was when he approached her and they got married and it's just this whole horror story. This is season two. Season two is has nothing to do with season one at all. It's just kind of like the franchise. Season two is a, a true story. It's it's not um, it's not like it's a subtle story. This woman, this woman Betty Broderick, after a contentious divorce, murdered her husband and his new bride. Um, and actually, they did it as a made-for-TV series back in the '80s, I think, starring uh, Meredith Baxter Burney. For another shout-out from from that era, the Family Ties mom. But they've re- they've done it. It's eight episodes. It stars Amanda Peet, who is I, I didn't think was known for being such an actress's actress. The only thing I really remember her before this is like Saving Silverman or such. But she is awesome. And so I would say what what I'm not gonna. Well, there's nothing to spoil. I mean, it's a true story. But the thing, <laughs> but, but the thing, to, but it's very well done. And you actually, I think it's it's even handed. In other words. She was convicted. She's still in jail for murdering these two two people. And you tend to think that's completely unexcusable. And it is. But in watching this and Amanda Peet's performance, I think she's going to win awards for this. Um, you kind of get into her head a little bit and to find out what it what it was like to be a woman on the on the outside who set aside her career for her husband who um, had to endure as he cheated on her and lied about it for years and years and then finally fessed up to it and like. So you, you definitely feel for her. Um, so there you go. That's mine. Dirty John. Cool. Betty, Betty Sold. So my, my only problem with stuff like that is my husband always wonders, like, why are you making me watch this? <laughs> <laughs> if it feels like work. Why, why is this something you want to? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you guys do false starts. Like uh, my girlfriend and I will try a, a show and we'll watch one episode and we'll be like, oh, that's all right. And then a week will go by and we'll be like, why did we stop watching that show? It wasn't that good. Um, the other one we just started watching, you got me TV crazy now, Lauren, but um, is, and this one I will recommend, is it on Netflix? I think it's on, it is on Netflix. It's called Stateless. And 
It doesn't have a lot of stars in it. There's a woman who was on The Handmaid's Tale who played one of the kept women, the main kind of kept woman. I don't know what the actress name is. Anyways, this this is a sort of uh, intertwining story TV show about um, detention camps in Australia. It just goes to show you there's a show about everything. Have you heard about this? Kate, uh, Kate Blanchett, isn't it, though? It's in yes, a, yeah. you're right, you're yes. right. Okay, so and, Kate, yep, Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett and um, uh, Elizabeth Moss, like the main no, character. No, no, Elizabeth, no? no, not unless she shows up in a later episode. I've seen, like, three episodes. It's it's the, it's her nemesis. The blonde. Her, yeah, the tall blonde. Her Sabrina, ne- Sabrina. Yeah, from, oh, so you you know your Handmaid's Tale, which is another fantastic show. Yeah, fantastic show. Oh. But. No, yeah, you're, you're right. Not only is Kate Blanchett in it, but her husband in the show is Dominic West, who people will remember as the lead character in The Wire and the yeah. affair, and the affair. And he's and he's awesome. And they play this very creepy Australian couple who basically run this cult. And the our heroine needs to escape from this cult and somehow ends up in an Australian detective. It's really good. It's I'm, I'm surprised people don't talk about it because stateless. I haven't finished it yet, but it's really good so far. Sold. All right. Sold. We'll start it this weekend. We got our TV. <laughs> well, bend. this was productive. It was great. I know. Now, now we we both have a plan. So Lauren and I are just going to watch TV now. Um, I hope you had fun, Lauren. I certainly did. Um, so again, the website is lbrpr.com, and Lauren is an awesome person to connect with as you can tell whether you're in the middle of a crisis or not um give her a call and really lauren you represent companies of all sizes individuals could be anybody we do it can be individuals um it can be uh you know firms and agencies um really it's about leveraging your expertise to to grow your business so if you are interested in that give me a call absolutely Thanks for joining us on the Boston Podcast. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. Go to pod617.com if you're interested in your own podcast or that one-hour barrel of fun that is Zumapalooza, online trivia and games and stuff like that. We got that, too. Thanks for listening. I'm Bev Alarm. My name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. If you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Enjoy the day, everybody. I'm out.